All right. Welcome, guys. Back for another week of uh, Nomex Effect. We're uh, we're coming to you live from JR's condo. What episode number is this? Five? I think it is. Rolling right along here. Yeah. So I'm Sean Langdon. JR Todd. We're, uh, we're excited to come back, give you guys another show. Got some cool things to talk about today. Uh, I mean, so many topics, really. We, we, uh, we've been kind of talking about a lot of different things um, just for the last couple weeks since our last episode. Uh, but, I mean, coming, coming right out of Chicago, what do you think of Chicago? <laughs> Me, personally, I would rather forget Chicago. But all in all, I feel like we're still having some, uh, some track prep issues. But the the teams are doing a better job adapting. But there's so many uh, variables and factors that are still going into play that I think that uh, NHRA still has to make up for. Like uh, in Chicago, Friday, it was pretty windy. Yep. And, and with uh, maybe a lot of people don't know with the track prep, the, what they're doing is they're cutting the VHT, which is the glue, with methanol. So they've raised the ratio of methanol to glue, correct? Yeah. And by doing that, when you spray it, it's going to dry quicker. Therefore, it's not; it doesn't stay sticky. Yeah. It, yeah. It's drying out quicker. And then when you spray it and it's windy like it was in Chicago, it's going to dry even quicker. So therefore, it doesn't really benefit teams to be at the back of the pack anymore like it used to. Right, absolutely. And I think that uh... – uh, like you said, a lot of the teams, the, a lot of the crew chiefs are adapting to it. So I think that we're they're making better runs now, quality runs. Um, they're able to. It, it's just going to take time, uh, but it does. It does kind of. It is a little tricky, like you said, when when the wind comes in and it dries it up quick. Um, one thing in the past that's always been is if you go out there and you're in the first couple pair. Uh, for the Friday night session, the Friday night session is typically the session that's going to, yeah, that's going to set the field a lot of times at, at least the top six or eight. Um, but I think where you're able to see is where a lot of the teams, the, if you're the first couple pair, uh, you make a good run. Well, now those guys are able to work off of that because they know that that's out there. So they're able to push it. But I think now as, as, uh, with the different settings that they have on the track that a lot of these teams, they see those runs, but then they try to push it. Well, as we start going along, it starts, uh, I, I guess, creating a little bit more havoc for them where uh, the, it dries up quicker and it goes away a little bit quicker than before. Yeah, I think for Friday, it's more beneficial to be uh, us funny car drivers because we're the first nitro cars out. It's where if your drags are at the back of the pack, you're not getting the best of what's out there. But at the same time, there are cars making good runs, torrents. And AJ uh, with Brittany's car, they they made good runs, but there's a lot of inconsistency in qualifying right now with the uh, the way the prep is. Yeah, and you actually see some really good cars qualifying in, in the bottom half of the field, um, which actually makes sometimes makes for exciting first round matchups. I mean, they're there for a while on Sunday. You've seen a lot of the teams that were winning in top field coming right out of the gate. Uh, I think it was after the first three or four pair. It was all of the lower qualified cars. Yeah, we're, we're advancing. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Where the clearly lane choice didn't matter because I saw teams winning out of the right lane, and the uh, 
higher qualified teams were in the left lane, then swapping lanes after they see that, then go over there and smoke the tires. It's just, it's definitely a crapshoot now. And I think that the NHRA is happy with the way the prep is because in their mind, the lower funded teams, it's given them a better opportunity to race the higher funded teams. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you've you seen uh, first round, I mean, you know, Torrance rips off the uh, 367 qualifying makes it i mean one of one of the best runs this year and uh and then loses the luigi novelli first round um but yeah i mean there's there's a lot of those where uh you know uh i mean schumacher schumacher lost first round Brittany lost first round torrance antron i mean mcmillan he's been running great they're some really good teams that are losing early and and one thing that's uh was difficult in the past where you only have say five or six good running cars when you kind of fall behind in the points it's hard to make up the ground because it always seems like the, the same cars are going to the second round the same right. cars are going to the semifinals. so if you win a race if you happen to get lucky enough to win a race then you're only maybe making up 40 points on an event but now with a little bit of, of crapshoots going on you're able to potentially make 80 yeah yeah, I mean, myself, am I a fan of what's going on? Not really, because you know what your car should run when the conditions allow it, and now we're not running that. And I'm just concerned about what's going to happen when we get on the hotter tracks, when we get to places like uh, like Denver, where it could be, you know, the track temp can get real hot. Well, I take it back. They uh, they can cool the first half of the track. Yeah. But, I mean, there's certain places, Sonoma and what have you, where it can get hot. And I don't know. It's times are going to be slow then. Yeah, I, I look at tracks like uh, potentially Seattle. Um, uh, I look at tracks like Norwalk. Right. Uh, I look at tracks like Bristol, where where it gets really really hot. Um, and uh, you know, especially like Bristol or uh, uh, Norwalk, where it could get really humid as well. And uh, going to Bristol, you got to deal with the bumps there. So you go and deal with all those bumps, and then less prep, and then. A hot track. I mean, it could can get real dicey there. Yeah, and 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 on the flip side of that, though, I mean, we we're actually it's kind of funny. We were actually talking about this before the show, but we were talking about what percentage of side by side races have there been in the last three races, and it it hasn't been much. But <laughs> so there, there's two ways to look at 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 this way of thinking, though, is because. Um, when you're racing side by side, it's it's really kind of, for the most part, crew chief against crew chief, right? Where, right. where, uh, it's just really who's making the most power, who's who's making you know quickest ET, what have you. Uh, where sometimes the driver can come into the play, but I'm going to say it's probably like a 75 percent, 25 percent, where mainly crew chief versus driver. But now you're you, we looked at the last three races and. What kind of numbers we come up with? We got the last four races. So starting at Houston, that's where we think all this track prep basically came into play, correct? Out of And this is a combination of Funny Car and Top Fuel, the numbers that we came up with, correct? Yeah. So Houston, on race day, there were uh, out of 30, 30 possible pairs down the track, 26% of them were side-by-side races. So there, yeah. So we have, so you basically have 
side-by-side races on Sunday between Top Fuel and Funny Car. In Top Fuel, you're going to have a total of uh, 15. And Funny 15 Car, you're going to have car. 15 in Funny Car. So y- we had, I think there was four or five in both. So you, you start to run into now where you have four or five side-by-side races on race day. I mean... Right, yeah. Houston, there were uh, five in Top Fuel. Yeah. So you have you have a, a a race day where now it's just becomes a lot of pedal fest which there there is a little bit of benefit to that too for the more experienced drivers correct okay if i'm lined up against somebody that i feel like i can out drive or out pedal then i'm excited about it but i also look at the fan standpoint like yeah a pedal fest here and there is exciting but are you really going to pay that much money to go to the race all weekend long to watch cars smoke the tires in qualifying and then continue that trend on race day? Yeah, I mean, I, absolutely. I, I remember growing up, I always wanted to see the quick times and I wanted to see the 330 miles an hour and the, the fast ETs. And well, that's what we're advertising. Yeah, well, I, absolutely. Yeah. Don't <laughs> correct. Yeah. T- come out, watch 330 mile an hour or yeah. come out, watch some pedal fest. I mean, I. Uh, I did a press conference Thursday in Chicago with uh, with Richie downtown, and you know we're talking to the different news outlets and what have you, and they're like, "Oh man, the uh, weather's going to be good this weekend. It's not going to be hot. It's going to be cool. This place is good. It's known for uh, records and this and that." And you're like, "Yeah, but most likely not going to happen this weekend." Now, uh, on the flip side of it, if we can get conditions where it's cool. For right. example, Friday night, right. you don't necessarily need all that. You don't need all that track prep because you're able to have enough grip with the cooler track temperatures. Right. So it's when we go into the countdown, I, I think you're going to see some good racing in the countdown. It'll when come you, around then. It, it'll come around then. The summer the summer months, that's that's where it's going to be tough because you're going to have – you know, I know the last couple races, when it gets start starts getting hot and track temp starts creeping over 120 – Man, that uh, driving the car, it's tough because it's it's on the tire and I sashaying side to side, and then the margin of error is minimal, right? Because you the groove you have to absolutely if you get a tire out of the groove, I mean, you about got no chance. I mean, the, it's hard enough to keep a top fuel car in the groove when it's narrow. Now we're talking about a funny car. It's like it's aggravating. That's where I'm getting frustrated as a driver with the track prep because going back to houston the concrete the early on part of the track was good yeah 100 percent. and we knew once we got to the asphalt after q1 it's like oh man it's spinning its ass off down there and it sounds terrible but you just got to hang on to it to where now going back to chicago this past weekend it wasn't like it got down there on the asphalt and was like blowing the tires off like houston it's just it doesn't feel glued in it's like you're fighting it to keep it straight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, fighting it's a good word, really, because the the car is kind of hunting around. It's really on the tire. And um, and what I've learned in these funny cars is that when these things smoke the tires, I mean, there's there's no in the middle of these things. When it makes a move, it's going to make a move. and It makes you look stupid. <laughs> it can, yeah. Like Friday night, yeah. I got left of the groove, maybe – a tire out of the, you know, left of the groove, sure enough, 
crank it back the other way and blows the tires off. It's just, I don't know. Yeah, the margin margin of error is just, it, it's so small right now. So I guess what, what, what I'm asking is, since we're cutting back on the prep and what have you, why can't we just prep the entire lane then? Uh, with more glue? No, well, what I'm saying is run the tire machines, all that, run them wider, and then spray wider. Yeah, creating a bigger groove, I gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely... To where it's not so critical if you get half a tire or a tire out of the groove. Yeah, yeah, and, and the the hard part on a lot of the summer months, too, is when you have what we call washout, when the car gets a lot of wheel speed early, and it wants to kind of make an initial move. Um, and that's one thing that I've really been trying to uh, get used to driving the funny car. Uh, driving the dragster, after a long time, I felt like I had a good yeah, handle on it. Yeah, you just knew. Like... You just kind of have that feel right. for it. And, and in the funny car, now it's you basically take everything that you had in the dragster and 180 that. and It's so everything. critical on how you line the car up. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, driving a funny car, you got to really kind of you're you're pointing an opposite way of what you were in the dragster, and then, um, but I've noticed in the in the funny car that early on when you get a lot of wheel speed like that, that if you start steering it early, uh, you're gonna have to probably steer twice as much at the top end with that thing. Right. Yeah. Well, once you it seems like once you start sawing on it early, then you just put yourself behind it. Yeah, and you yeah. can't catch up, and that—that's the hardest thing with these cars is when you get behind, mentally behind, in these cars, and then trying to, in your mind, catch up to it. You'll never catch up to it. You're just—it kind of goes from where you feel like you're on top of the wheel driving the thing to you're a hundred feet behind the car and your right. arms are way out in front of you and you're just steering yeah, the thing. Yeah, like I've made runs where like, all right, I'm sawing on it early, and then I catch myself like I'm still sawing on it, and the car is doing this. It's in the groove, maybe, but it's wiggling. I was like, what the hell are you doing? Just stop steering it. <laughs> it's hard to do. It's very, very, very hard to do. But, yeah, we can go back to what we were talking about, the uh, the percentage number. So Houston, 26% of all the Nitro cars had side-by-side runs all day on race day. Atlanta, 23%. Topeka, 20%. And this past weekend in Chicago, back to 23%. So, is that an upswing? You you tell me. We need more side-by-side racing. I, I mean, I'd like to see maybe 40%. Yeah, and what did, what did we look at at the end of last year? I think the, the numbers were up a little bit more when we were looking at the, the yeah list. like the pomona the world finals there were at least 11 just in top fuel yeah yeah so i guess it's kind of what what do you as a, as a uh from nhra standpoint as a driver standpoint crew chief standpoint fan standpoint what's what's more important i mean obviously we're we're not trying to uh go 350 miles an hour because right that's not the direction they're trying to take the sport but it's trying to find that happy medium of uh in between where you're able to still make good runs still try to get 320 325 miles an hour but not have one of one of every five pair 
maybe be, we should be a side by side race. Maybe we should put a poll on Twitter later with some different options. See what the fans would like. Would you like pedal fast, side by side, three hundred thirty miles an hour runs, or you know, whatever? Yeah. Now the the only thing on like for driver the drivers on the side of that is when you have side by side racing you know i i guess i enjoy winning more on a whole shot than i would in a pedal you fest you take but, a lot of pride in that yeah absolutely i mean either way you're you want to get the win so it really doesn't matter regardless but i think you know having that starting line you know being able to uh i guess cut cut a good light and, and winning on the whole shot sometimes those, those pedal fests get pretty hairy man i I, I, I don't mind winning a pedal fest, but I don't like doing them. I really, well, yeah, I'd rather the car not go out there and smoke the tires. I want it to go out there and run low ET and me leave on the person. I finally, for the first time, seemed like I, I did an okay job pedaling last weekend. I saw that. You where, feathered it. That was nice. They, yeah. They caught on slow-mo. That's, that's one of those things where you're just like, yeah, I blacked out. I don't know what happened. <laughs> I mean, it, it's... It's so hard to do because... The blower is trying to suck the blade shut on the injector, and you're trying to just crack it open with your foot, and the whole thing moves, what, an inch? Yeah. And then you're trying to, like, just lay it open. Yeah, while smoking the tires going at that point. And maybe watching the person the other way kind of driving away from you. 200, yeah. Well, at that point when I was uh, running Tommy, I heard him early, um, but then, you know, I, I'm kind of fighting my own stuff, so all that kind of went away, and obviously he had a – he had a big old boomer over there when when he pedaled the car, but uh, yeah, in your mind you you're thinking, well, they're gonna go driving by me at any time now. Yeah, like you can't be wasting time not being on the throttle, but at the same time you can't jump I think, all over it. I think one of the hardest things driving is when your car smokes early and you see the other car drive away. Well, you want to be able to give yourself an opportunity if something happens to the other car, so. When your car smokes or shakes, you pedal it, try to get the thing calmed down, back under power, in the groove, and then it's like you're watching that guy start smoking the tires or hazing the tires. So mentally in your head, you're trying not to watch that because you know if you're looking that way, you're going to drive that way. Right. But you're trying to watch the groove, but you see him, and then you're trying to judge that rate of speed of, think i can well you had a good one last year when you raced Jack Beckman in Sonoma. Yeah, and that the reason... The only reason I did that was because earlier in the year at uh, English Town, we're running Robert, and we blow the tires off just like that on the starting line. And generally, like, if you blow the tires off like that, like, it's over. Yeah. Unless the other person does it right with you. Right. But Robert went out there a couple hundred feet, spun, I think he pelled it, put a couple holes out, like, just not making a good run. I'm just sitting there watching him the whole time. And I remember John Oga on the radio, he's like, what, you didn't want to pedal it? I'm like, shit <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times it's it's kind of one of those i guess damned if you do damned if you don't yes because if if you get back on the pet on the throttle and it blows up then it's well why'd you do that the guy was driving away right you just cost us a motor but then on the flip side of that you got to give yourself an opportunity so when you do do that you know it's just it's learning from the experiences and as much as uh when you're driving that you you're, you're concentrated on your own car trying to get the thing settled down and, and under power at least to have the opportunity to practice exactly it gives you good practice and 
then it just drives it in your mind like do not ever give up until it's over yeah and that's typically a lot of times how i drive now is is i'm going to try to use the opportunity to practice but once i see him cross the finish line right. or, or getting close to it i mean once they're basically about 800 feet unless if you're moving on them like a freight train you really don't have much of a chance that, that's a good point you bring up once you see him cross the finish line shut it down yeah because you're just wasting fuel at that point yeah and it blowing it up possibly wrecking the track oiling down just shut it down yeah save everybody the headache yeah yeah so well this kind of brings up another point is is um john force in qualifying is you know obviously with him uh he smoked the tires, got into the wall. So, you know, you, man, it, it, the guy's had a rough year. I mean, hey, you, you have to feel for him. He came out Q1, ran, what, 98, 97? 97, I believe. A really good run. So he's in the top five. Mm -hmm. Wasn't going to get bumped out of the top half. Right. Because I was ninth with an 01. Correct. So, yeah, like, he smoked the tires Friday night, pedaled it, got away with it, and then Q4, same thing. Like, Yeah, and, and you're not going to improve on a 97. When the tracks are as marginal as they are now with the prep by pedaling it. I mean, yeah, you're getting good experience, which he's one of the best at it. Oh, absolutely. And, I'm, I mean, he's 16-time champion. Type. Yeah, he's got a million runs under his belt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in, in an opportunity or you know in a situation like that when you're already qualified with 397 and you go out there and it smokes tires that early, best case scenario, if you pedal it, you might go 420 something, 430 something. Um, uh, you know if if the thing's running on all eight and 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 what have you, but um, I mean obviously goes out there and it smokes the tires and and he does a quick pedal job and the thing just makes a a hard right turn. So yeah, it happened fast. Right, and which, that's which it's going to when the track is prepped the way it is. Yeah, and when it when it's on the tire, and it it's still on the tire, and you give it a quick pedal. Right, and I mean I, I'm learning this, so it's a lot of times I'll take the TV shows just to watch uh, situations like that to try to learn for myself. But I mean that's one thing is yeah when it goes out there and smokes the tires early, things got a tremendous amount of wheel speed. And then if you do a quick slap pedal job like that, and it's the, not pointed straight, the, or, and, it, and it's not pointed straight, that car is going to make a really hard move one way or the other. And luckily he was in the right lane. And luckily, I mean, well, I can't say even luckily because obviously we don't want stuff like that happening. But but that it didn't make a left hand right turn to go into the other lane, you know, where where the other car was. Yeah, like I just I don't want to see the guy get hurt or hurt somebody else. No, um, no, absolutely not. And yeah. I don't know by doing some things like that, like it's questionable. Yeah, I mean, you, you, well, see, we we had talked about this earlier. Is like on on the NASCAR side, like if you're if you're in NASCAR, okay. So so John goes out there and smokes tires, and he he does uh, what he feels like he needs to do to get the car under control, to get the car to go down the track and make a run. Well, he's already qualified. He's got a good qualifying time 3.97 seconds so maybe he's using it as as practice right okay um now on the nascar side if you're if you're qualified you're in a practice session and you're racing a practice session like a, a race and doing being aggressive as a driver 
I wonder how how does how does that play out? What do they do in that? I guarantee you that if you're aggressively racing people in practice, that your competitors are going to be pissed at you for one. Yeah. And if you're tearing up the car, the team's going to have an issue with it. Yeah. Well, it, but it, in that instance, like he owns the team, he can do whatever he wants. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we 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 don't have that luxury of doing that, <laughs> right? But yeah, I I see what you're saying that we're talking about practice, qualifying. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's there. There's no, there's really no right or wrong way to pedal these things. It's just it's a feel, and it's yeah. and it it that's one thing that I've learned is, and it, it takes time. It, to me, I feel like that I wouldn't be able to pedal it as well Friday or Saturday as come Sunday. Right, because like you're like dialed in on Sunday, like you're focused on getting that thing down the track, no matter what. Right. To where like Friday or Saturday, I'm like, oh man, it smoked the tires. Oh, I need to pedal it. Yeah. Now, now taken back, you know, I I have done pedaling in qualifying, typically in situations where maybe on Saturday um, you're not in the show or you're in the bottom you, half of the field. Right. You smoke the tires, or in a rain situation where Okay, maybe we didn't get any runs on Friday. We got runs on Saturday, or uh, it's going to rain all day tomorrow, and this is basically the last last in, session. In that case, like you're telling yourself, "Hey, I might need to pedal it here." Right. Yeah, and you're you're you kind of put yourself, like you said, in in race mode where um, you absolutely need to do whatever it takes to get it down the track. Right. But you know, it's man, I hate it for the guy. You, you can't you can't question his passion. I mean, the dude. The dude lives and breathes this sport, and what he's done for the sport and the name that yeah, the sport needs him around. That's why I don't want anything to happen to him. Yeah, yeah, we absolutely, uh, we absolutely need this guy around. We we need him continuing racing, but it's a tough situation, man. Yeah, for you sure. don't you don't want to you don't want to see someone. I mean, that's fourth or fifth body this year, maybe. Yeah, a few cars also. Adds up, adds up. Yeah, and then watching you know the race day coverage, like he was banged up. Yeah, the, what, said he got his shoulder, hurt right. his shoulder. I mean, he was a little slow getting in and out of the car and this and that. It's like, you can do that to yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, dude, check. So Clay Milliken, man. Yeah, they got it rolling now. We talked er- earlier that everybody's lucky that. Conditions aren't cool and tracks aren't better and this and that or else they'd be wrecking people. Well, now they're winning no matter what. Yeah, and they're one thing that they were able to accomplish in uh, when the track was really good was these guys down low, sixty feet, three thirty. They were able to just have really, really good sixty foot, three thirty times split times, and where they kind of struggled was they were still fast in the early part of the run, but when it would get hot out, typically, you know, for second round or whatever, right. They, they were having issues, but couldn't back it down enough. Couldn't back it down enough, but but grubby's getting it figured out now. Yeah. Grubby, he's a smart dude. And like they're, they're definitely a team that seems like they can do a lot with a little. And they're doing a lot. I mean, they're not a heavily funded team and they're running well. Yeah. Yeah. And they're back to back wins. In this day and age, when you go back-to-back wins, I mean, Courtney's done it in Funny Car, um, but 
dude, it's it's crazy. I mean, he's he's driving well, um, and they got they got dumping the shoot before the finish line, doing some racket racing there. Did he? Yeah, that's right. What round was that? Was that uh, semis? Semis, right? Yeah, I think so. Or yeah, something like that. Yeah, because uh, they were down a little bit in in uh, in speed. Um, yeah, I think it only went three sixteen only though. Yeah, you say only. Yeah, actually, that wasn't a semi. He went three seventy eight at three sixteen. He's he's low et by three hundredths with the parachutes out through the finish line. Backed into him. <laughs> yeah, that's that's some bracket racing stuff right there, man. I like it. Tighten up that stripe. We need to do a little top fuel racing with the index. That'd be fun. Three eighty index. I mean. If it, if NHRA get to that shoot on time, people. Yeah, if NHRA is wanting to level the playing field by what they're doing, and they they want to have these lower funded teams be able to be competitive again, put a dial in on the thing, man. <laughs> Let's start shoot dropping. Oh, I'm in. Yeah, just then then we could go balls out. How many people could take five thou going 320 mile an hour? I know I can't. <laughs> you say you can or can't? No, I can't. Uh, well, the, the problem, but see, the problem is, is when you're in in the top fuel car, um, when you see their nose, I mean, you can't see obviously nothing beside you, but when you see the their nose or their front tire, they're three hundredths ahead. Oh of yeah, you. they're way they're more ahead than what you think. Yeah, so it's it's about three hundredths. I'm still trying to figure out that in the funny car. I've seen caps driving away from me last weekend. And I seen about majority of his car out the side window, um, but he ended up being about fifty eight foul. But kind of curious how. Yeah, I I saw plenty of task of. He was out there, but then it's like if we were running quarter mile, that maybe catch back up to him. Because either way, it looked bad. Yeah, I, see, I wish they would do more. Uh, if we had more side by side races, but if they had, I love those cameras that they put on the back of the car. And they'll do like the side shot yeah. where you'll see different on a good side by side race. You'll see uh, the initial jump where one driver will get the, the whole shot. But then you'll kind of see as the stages of the clutch start applying and one car will kind of make a move here. Right. There's and it'll kind of level out and then they may make a move around. I love those those uh, angles that they have with the uh, uh, with the cameras. Yeah. How about that? We should go do a four flat index race. Top fuel funny car and dragster. Let's do it. That that could go back to that special event that we talked about last show. Big money, top fuel funny car combined. But they need to do something with the tree though. The the tree's the tough part in in our racing because you. What what did they do before? They like staggered it at a hundredth or something like that, right? Yeah, uh, I don't know the exact number of what they did, but if you look at the difference, typically, now that now this is last year, but we would always kind of go off of I guess like point one seven, point one eight. So um, maybe that's where we gotta kind of dial it in, like right. So that way the person next to you can't go off of when you leave. Yeah, and that's a tough spot on the for the funny cars or uh, sorry for the dragsters behind because right about that time of when you hear them hit the gas that's when when you would have to go right maybe That's, somehow you'd have to that or change the uh the delay in the tree like we talked about take that number away yeah so that 300s tree delay um something that they had 
way back, I mean, probably 10 years ago. But when they went to the LEDs, they were a lot quicker. And so a lot of the pro stock guys um, and, and pro stock bikes right, had issues. They, their initial reaction is way quicker than what ours are, the cars. Correct, yeah. I mean, they're, they're leaving on a chip, and um, so they're up on the RPMs. But they a lot of them were redlighting, so they put that little delay in there. But see, that's, all, that's one thing that I, I wish they would do with the, the funny cars and dragsters is they would – you know, right now, I mean, in a, in a funny car, if you're dead shallow and you go 070 on the tree, that's about a pretty good light. That's where, okay, when I get when we get the qualifying sheets each run and it's qualifying, okay, and you're looking at the 60-foot times and the guys are going 880s, 890s, and someone's got a damn 030 or 020, they didn't see yellow. No. That's a red light. They saw yellow after they hit the gas. Right. I think someone had an 010 in Chicago. So if you take that 300 out like we're talking about, that's red light. Yeah. And then watch your ass on race day dumping it in because you're just making it worse on yourself then. Yeah, and that brings up a good point too because you, on race day, um, typically a lot of the drivers in, in dragster will, will all stay shallow together. Now, every once in a while you'll kind of have a, a little rivalry race or kind of a little animosity race that people will kind of slide it in a little bit um or in the final round but funny car guys they they do it a lot more and that's something that, that i've kind of been getting used to a little bit but if you were to have it to where instead of the average i guess where you're dead shallow and you're 070 on the tree but you were to have it where when you're dead shallow you're 20 or 30 on the tree okay and um now if you slide it in and you do a bad job of staging or you hit the gas early, that's a red light. That's to me, that's how it should be. Right. Not that you go out there and, and you know, I'm racing you and you do a good job staging and you're shallow and you hit a great light at a 070. In this day and age, that's that's about the standard. That's about the class average for on on the better side of it. And but I'm just gonna go dump it in on you and I'm gonna hit the gas a little bit early and go O ten and right. then and then get out claiming I beat you on the whole shot. Yeah, and I don't want to hear that you did that and then like, oh, man, I had to get up against you because – no, you didn't. You just cheated me. You just slid it in. Right. <laughs> you just made me look like an asshole. But see, I, th I think <laughs> – we've, we've all been on both sides of that. But I think you know, one, one thing that I admire about some of the better drivers in pro stock, bringing up a, a, a great race last week, and we'll get into a little bit more on that, but – the race against Tanner and Erica. Yeah, that was good. That was that was a good bad drivers going at it. That was a badass race, right? So obviously they're both up for that round. And they're they're both gonna do everything that it takes to win that round. They are separated by one thousand ET and they both go double O six on the tree. Right? So they use utilize the qualifying runs to establish where they're at on their reaction, just like we do in top fuel, which typically were 070s, 080s, but they're they're sitting there going teens, right? Okay, well in that instance, okay, I got it. I got to get up for the driver that I'm racing against. Now you know, Erica against Tanner, Tanner against Erica, and they're both in that same mindset. They don't just go deep stage the thing. No, like they make. That's what I like. What they can do, they can make an adjustment to make themselves quicker with with the clutch pedal, right? With the, the linkage. linkage, where like. Our adjustment is the 
brake handle. Yeah, our adjustment <laughs> is like I'm just going to go deep stage on you and I'm going to beat you on a whole shot. Take that. And I just basically pulled a slide job on you. Correct. So, but I, I really admire that about those two drivers. I mean, you, you look at that right there after what's gone on the last couple of weeks and that's a playoff countdown oh, yeah. situation there as a driver, you mentally that's, I'm not losing it. I can't lose this round. I'm going to give everything I got. And that's what you do. You do that's that. That's how every, you should race every time. Honestly. Absolutely. And, and but we all know that there's a different element when you get into the countdown. There's, oh, yeah. I want to win in the season, and there's the, I have to win in the yeah, countdown. Yeah, like there's no, like, I can't lose this round or it's over. Yeah. Well, that's a situation where I can't lose this round. And they both go 006 on a tree. And that speaks volumes about their both of their talent levels. Yeah. Because they didn't slide it in. They didn't deep stage. They knew where they were at as a driver. They set their cars up on kill. Where they, I guarantee you, both those drivers set up double O on the tree because they both wanted it that bad, and yeah. and it ends up being a double O six to a double O six, six sixty with a zero to a six sixty with a one, one thou. And you know Tanner was working on it all weekend because we saw him at one point in the staging lanes. He's, yeah, I've been wrecking the tree in qualifying. Like I think his worst light was a teen. He said, yeah, exactly. So he knew where he was and where he needed to be. Right, and that and that, I wish that they would allow that in the top fuel side of things where. Not just you, you can you're able to establish yourself where you, you feel like you're good on the tree, make some proper adjustments, not by the brake handle. You're right. I feel like I established myself in Chicago. I was slow all weekend. I can't adjust for that. Hey, I mean, I guess I can, but well, hey, you got to be consistent. Right. You're consistent. Consistently slow. A little bit. <laughs> I need to adjust my linkage. Any and it's. I mean, you look at that and oh, okay, so you're a one zero first round, right? Yeah, I missed it. I'll admit that I missed it. But was I going to be fifty five? No, no. Now you you look. I mean, you you miss it. And that's that's what's tough though, is because you run races like that, and I mean, even on your best light and qualifying. You know, you're you can go high seventy or low eighty, and that's kind of where you've established your reaction times for the weekend. And sometimes, you know, it's kind of like what I talked to you about after after the run. You know, obviously you're very disappointed that that you lost, and you know, by theory, yes, it was on a whole shot. You know, you, you're probably in a little bit shallower than he was, but regardless, you where you were at on your consistency side of things in qualifying. You you had to be 068 on the tree right. in order to win that round. Right. And where where yeah, you where were, I was, I wasn't even close to that. Yeah, so you know you would have had to have hit the gas two hundreds earlier than you had done for the last two days. Right. And that's always one thing that I've always tried to do is just establish that consistency, and then that's where you're at. And you know sometimes you might have a little more adrenaline here or there or whatever, and it'll kind of fluctuate, but. You can't get mad that you didn't hit the gas 300s earlier. Yeah, I mean, I feel like, okay, it wouldn't be as bad if I didn't have a 100-something light. Like, that, to me, like, should never have to do that. But if I had a respectful light, then dude beats me on a whole shot, then probably laugh at the guy. Like, no, you actually just outran me, but numbers are fluffed a little bit. Whatever. Yeah. We all do it. Yeah, so that that's what I'm saying is if if we had that where 
the 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 class standard was twenties or thirties on the tree. Yes, it, you're gonna run into the guy that wants to deep stage on you and and roll it in. Well, now it's gonna take that twenty or thirty light. Now he's gonna be flirting with the red light. Yeah, and there's been a couple times that guys have turned out the top light this year. I think like that w would kind of put an end to that. Absolutely. You wouldn't see guys out there with 940 and 950, 60-foot times when the person in the other lane is 880s, 890s. Right. That's going to tighten that up way more. Right. And that's – and that's it puts, you know, us – like I, I know for me, it puts me in a bad spot because it's like, okay, so I'm racing this guy, and in qualifying, I say we're even on the tree. Okay, so – Let's just say I'm going to go to the crew chief and say, look, we're, we're probably even. We just need to outrun this guy. Well, I know on race day, the guy's going to slide it in three hundredths. Okay. So he's going to slide it in three hundredths of a second. That's a lot. And he's going to tree me by three hundredths of a second. Mentally as a driver, and you're sitting in the race car knowing if I hit the gas the same time as this guy because he's going to deep stage, I'm going to be three hundredths behind at the starting line. Now, granted – you're going to make that up in ET. Right. But if it comes down to a thousandth of a second at the finish line, you're going to lose on a whole shot. And you have to go back and you have to address the media about it and you have to address your sponsors about it and you have to address your team about it because at the end of the day... You have to address everybody about it. I mean, they get shown on TV and like they're not going to explain what the hell happened. They don't have time to explain. Right. Yeah. So you, it, it's, a, it's a tough pill to swallow when, when you're in that position. But I think something like that could... could uh, could change could, that could be a game changer for our class if if top fuel and funny car both but if they were to pick up 500s figure out a way yeah absolutely i don't know i'd be i'd be game for that might as well change things up a little bit anyway we can talk about what went down in chicago you guys for everything that's going on with your team now like you guys did well. You ran really well in qualifying. Yeah, we were uh, second quick on one session. We were third quick on one session. Got some um, style points. We got some style points, the little bonus points. Um, just, yeah, progressing. Uh, brought on Kurt Elliott. Uh, Kurt's a good a good dude. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're having fun with him. Um, I mean, you know, obviously he hasn't been out here the last couple of years, so he's kind of, you know, take he's getting in the swing of things again, but – him and Nikki working together is a good thing, um, you know. Um, yeah. The cars, the car, you know. Obviously, our cars are. Uh, we're trying to do as much as we can to run them as similar as possible. But um, I know. feel like they're getting closer and closer as each race goes on. Now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, making making better runs, and that's that's key. Um, and a tough thing for Kurt is so much changes from year to year, especially when you're gone. Like we got power grid now just so many different tuning elements that he never had when he was out here yeah and and i think you know that it's just going to take him a little bit of time working with nikki and, and uh you know matt bynum's over there he's done a great job and uh, i mean all the crew guys have been yeah. really done a great job you know we've had a couple little setbacks this year uh with a couple little things like that but just the, the guys have been doing a good job they just continue to work and um, and, and starting to show in the car, we're starting to have a, a car that, uh, you know, like like I said last race, we had a second and third quick car. Um, we were able to win a pedal fest first round. Uh, 
lost a good race to cap second round. We dropped cylinder early, but we dropped a cylinder. Yeah, pretty much after you left the starting line. Yeah, I mean, it, it was like 80 foot out, uh, dropped a cylinder, and then, uh, I mean, you know, caps out ran us by 500. And so, yeah, if it doesn't put a hole out, you're looking good. Yeah, I mean, it I, I gives us a good opportunity at least, I think. So, yeah. For me, like, that's always kind of the tough part to swallow is when you lose to a guy like that when you run on seven cylinders and then he goes on to the final. It's like, man, could have been our weekend. Yeah, well, there's always, yeah, in, in drag racing, there's always a lot of shoulda, coulda, woulda. Right, it always seems like it goes that way. Like, damn it, if we do just that one round. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was actually a, a interesting thing that happened last weekend in the, I don't know if you saw, but in uh, in Top Sportsman. I didn't realize that, that guy also won the Jags All-Star Race. Yes. So yeah, he was wrecking them that weekend. Yeah, yeah, he he's got a... A really nice car fast man for top sports it looks like yeah it's basically like a slow pro mod yeah <laughs> so there was a, a a little bit of controversy in in the final round um which don o'neill ended up taking the win that his second win this year um so you know congratulations to him but uh so uh the guy in in the final um had won the jegs all-stars uh was running in the final of top sportsman and there were, so Don O'Neill left first and in bracket racing, if you leave first and you red light, you're disqualified, obviously, unless if the guy crosses the center line or hits the wall first or worst. Right. Well, there was a little, uh, a little issue that his car got a little squirrely. And so he lifted and got close to the center line. Now I've seen a couple little videos that have been, online um but he got close to the the to the center block at 660 i believe and didn't knock the cone over but apparently when his car went by it blew the reflector out of the cone so did his car touch the reflector that that's what i don't know here's another question i have the cones are as wide as the double lane or the double lines right Correct. And you're allowed to touch one of the lines. You're allowed to touch You're not allowed to cross it. You're allowed to touch it. Yes. Why isn't that cone just a narrow piece in between the two lines? That is an excellent point. Because, yeah, so in the disqualification process, your car, you can touch the line. You can't go over it. But the cone is on the line. So, in theory, you could be riding that line... You could blow the cone over. Yeah. So you can ride the line and you're fine. But if you touch the cone, you're disqualified. That's on the line. So if you have headers that potentially hang out, your tires wouldn't even necessarily be on the line, but your header could go by and clip the reflector, knock the reflector off of the cone, and you'd be disqualified without even being on the line. It's always such a gray area when it comes to that type of stuff. That I feel like our sport is basically pretty cut and dry. Like there's not evolving changes as we go on when it comes to that stuff. Like it should all be set in stone. Like nope, here's the rule: you're out or this, you're in. Like, yeah, and I and I think going back to uh, what was that two years ago with Hagen's car when he was running the final round in Pomona. It was last year. Oh yeah, okay, yeah, last year. 
uh, he was running the final, uh, or was it the semis or the final? I, I think it was against Caps, maybe. I think it was the semis. Yeah, and, and and I mean, his car tires on the line, bodies over the line, almost over the other line. Oh, almost yeah, into the other lane, and they deem that that okay, the run was okay, which is fine. I mean, nobody. I mean, I'm sure a couple people argued it, but outsider perspective on that is. Okay, that's fine. That's the rule. But where where is where is the middle? Okay, that's... my thing is when it comes to that type of stuff, let's just say that there's cones all the way down the track. Would he have hit him or would he have not have hit him? Right. I mean, my feeling on how to make all this easier is you you have the two lanes and they're black. Okay? You have white lines. If there's any tire mark in that white line, it's out. You're out. You That's, can't. You can't. Okay, here. For those that don't know, you can't touch the wall and not get disqualified. If you touch any, the, part the wall of it. is out of bounds. All of it. So the wall should be no different than the center line. Absolutely. That should be treated like a wall. Uh, it, that's the way that it was told to me is that the center line is like an invisible wall, except you can but, touch it. But it's really not. You can touch it. You just can't go over it. You can touch the wall. The invisible wall. I mean, you can touch the center line. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, my my opinion on that is, yeah, it, you touch any part of the wall, disqualified. You touch the cone, disqualified. You touch any part of the white line as the center line, disqualified. That there's no gray area. You, I yeah, mean, that you can't, exactly. Therefore, it's no question. There exactly. But I I think in this instance, man, I mean. You know, as much as I was happy, I mean, Don, Don's a friend of mine. As much as I was happy for Don to see Don get the win, uh, you, you got to feel for the guy because not only is he going for the race win, he's going for the Jegs double up bonus. Oh, there's as well. a bonus for that in play, yeah. So you got to talk like this is probably about a fifteen thousand dollars swing on one person's decision. Of okay, yeah, you didn't go over the line, but yeah. you didn't knock over the cone. The, and, and from the, the angles that I've seen, it's very tough to see if he grazed the cone, touched the cone, but the cone didn't go flying. The cone was still in its same spot. And who's to say that But the, the reflector didn't just fall out on its own? Now, I, I, did a, I did a little bit of asking around about it, and supposedly the reflectors are zip-tied in from what I heard. This may be— Oh, there's one right there. Right or wrong. Yeah, so— yeah, we got – how does that reflector come out? I don't know. You got to think, though, if a cone has been there all weekend, it's going through a lot of vibration, right? Yeah. I mean, when was the last – I don't know. I feel like we, sh- we should be doing something better than a styrofoam block in the year 2018. Right. That looks like something we had in 1918. Yeah, it – that's, I, I don't know. I don't know where. The, I don't know what the answer is, but it has to be. There's something out there that's better. I I think so. I I I think that whole because when it, you're when you're going out there and you're you're looking at your lane, you have your lane. So obviously you're gonna have black tire tracks in the black lane, and then it's gonna go onto the white center line. But then it's there's a black stripe in the middle of that. So where is that? 
you know, it's like, well, did it did it touch or did it roll over? I just think that if That's you just a, paint a white line. Yeah, why are there two lines? If there's, I don't know. I don't know. I've always wondered that. Like, why are there two lines? Yeah, I think if you just paint, you have a white line, and if it's gets tire mark on it, I mean, heck, you may have to have extra paint because if somebody runs over that, well, it's probably going to create a little bit of havoc on track prep or, well, but for whatever that's worth, but you're going to have people just constantly going around it. But if there's a way that you had a fresh white line where it's like, hey, there's there's paint the thing every day yeah if there's any if there's any uh if there's any tire track in that white line that's that's where uh, okay how often do you think that those lines get painted uh, i mean they probably before the weekend right okay yeah so what if somebody sportsman guy whoever hits it on friday night and you're racing sunday around the same spot you, you're going to tell me they can determine which track is which yeah, that's tough. I don't know. I don't. I don't know that they can't. I mean, maybe. And okay, if we're gonna put it all on someone's shoulders and make a judgment call, shouldn't we have like the right camera angles also? Yeah, I know, like the finish line camera. Yeah, I mean, if yeah, if power goes out and it's a tooth out race at the finish line, who gets, <laughs> who gets the win? Yeah, I mean, you know, but. But I mean, going back to that that top sportsman final to make that decision. I mean, the dude, that dude just lost a lot on. I mean, and from what, uh, from stuff that I had read was that. Uh, I mean, they they weren't able to see any any really replays initially when it when it all had had happened. And I mean, to to win the Jags All Stars event and then Chicago, Chicago for sports and racing. Oh, you got one the of, best guys in the country. There. Absolutely, because all the from stock, super stock, super gas, super comp, super street, all these, every class you have, the all-stars are all there. So these are all the best of the best in every division. So you have all the best drivers there. And it, this is a very, very difficult event to win. Um, plus, on top of that, some really great racers in that section of the country. And to do that and to get put in that position, and uh, that's got to be... That's gotta. Uh, that's gotta be tough, man. Yeah, that'd be hard to uh, hard to swallow. I mean, you can argue all you want, but once that person that decides, oh, you're out, like they ain't changing their mind, and you ain't changing it for them. Yeah, and I know that there was an issue a couple years ago with a, a super comp racer um, that they had an issue with their brakes or whatever, and he was on a buy run, and I guess uh, pulled the parachute and uh, ended up in the sand trap on his buy run. And they had deemed it that uh, he knew that there was an issue with the brakes before the run. Um, so they disqualified him for the final. Because he knew they had brake problems? Yeah. That, that's what the, that side of it had said. That, well, uh, he probably didn't have time to go back to his trailer well, in between I, rounds. I, they, I think they, they were working on it, and, and they, they thought that they had got it fixed. And, uh, you know, this was a couple years ago, but man yeah that's tough yeah i mean it, so you, yeah you, for 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 that guy in the final top sportsman i mean obviously his car makes a move he lifts gets up close to the cone blows the reflector out of it and that's a disqualification and he's out the win he's out the double up bonus and uh here's your runner-up check of uh i think maybe eight hundred dollars or a thousand dollars he spent more than that to get there yeah 
That kind of makes you want to come back and do that, it again. That is brutal. <laughs> that is brutal. Feel for the guy. But how how cool the the Jegs All Stars event though. That's awesome that Jegs does that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's yeah. I w- I, mean, I guess every week's an All Star race for us, but I wish like we had something like that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was actually fortunate enough to do the Jegs All Star event. Uh, back in uh, 2005, 2006, 2007, and as racing in Super Comp, um, you know, obviously there's not a whole lot of notoriety in that class, um, but racing that event, the Jegs people, the company, the Coughlin family, man, they, they really treat you like professionals. They treat you like you're the pros, you're the show, and you go to the event, and they give you all these goodies, and you get um like this big duffel bag of i mean just you name it they they put it in there of all kinds of different jeg stuff and then you go and you're in a special group and they have a, a dinner event for you and then you go up out on stage I'm jealous and they, they call you out i mean it's it's a full-blown professional deal man yeah they're and, a good group of people racing family that does it right and definitely they give back to the sport yeah and you have to respect a company like that and yeah, how out. cool is it to see jeggy win Dude, he at was, their race. He was a driving fool, man. He was absolutely wrecking the tree. Jeggy of old. This, this, that's, will the real Jeg Coughlin please stand up? <laughs> that was him right there. I know Pro Stock's been a, a pretty brutal class the last couple of years, and he hasn't seen, you know, a lot of, a lot of wins, but dude, 12 on the tree, 11 on the tree, 16 on the tree, 006 on the tree. You know who else I saw was wrecking the tree from whenever I was watching was uh, No Beal. It's like when his car is on, like he's tough to beat. Dude's a good driver. Yeah. No, I mean, the the last couple, man, when, when was his first race win? Uh, uh, Vegas. Vegas. Since Vegas, like he's just been flat driving good. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been hitting the tree. Yeah, this weekend, yeah, he, he lost in the semis. Uh, to Greg Anderson, but yeah, he's eighteen double oh eight and eleven on the tree. And I mean, you do that more than not, then you're gonna win races, dude. I'm telling you, man. He's if you got him driving like that, and you got Jeggy driving like how Jeggy drives, and then you you throw in the mix of people like Tanner and Erica. Yep, Summit dude, cars. The and then the Summit cars, it, dude. They these guys are brutal. Like you. You got to think about that. I mean, you go they're they're setting up that aggressive where they're going double O on the tree and I mean, you 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 can't go up there and try to go 20. Yeah, you don't want to be conservative. I'm going to have a teen against this guy. You're going home. Yeah. And it, and it, it the cool thing is is it, it brings in that whole bracket racing mentality side of things where like in a bracket race, you don't go up there and set up, "Oh, I'm going to go 18 on the tree cuz I'm afraid to." No, you you got to sound like triple O against people, right? The dude's going to put on a new set of valve springs because he's going to wear your ass out about 100 <laughs> foot. Like, you literally set up 001, 002, 003 on the tree. And these guys are doing that in pro stock. And, how, I mean, you're talking that much. If you're set up double O anything on the tree and you mess up staging that much, you're red lighting. If, in theory, if you leave the same. Yeah, and that's – like I give it to so, those guys because like they're not they don't bump it in like we do. Correct. So you, you look at that and, and not only do you have to hit the tree as good as you normally do on 
level A, but it brings in the staging element of it that you have to stage the car good. So it just adds to being a better driver. Yeah, absolutely. How about uh, something we were talking about before we started? Like the, uh, the TV deal and the track cleanup and all that issue we had. Yeah. So yeah. I, I kind of wanted to see our bowling deal that we did. So, yeah, we did a, a pretty cool bowling event. Um, Thursday. Thursday, yeah. With uh, Sean Rash, who's a, a pro bowler on the PBA Tour. He's won, I don't know how many events, player of the year a couple times. Badass bowler. JR actually beat him once. He let me win. Yeah. That made me feel good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, he like he gave us some bowling tips. You, Richie, myself, gave us bowling balls from Brunswick. It was a good deal. The NHRA was there filming it, did some interviews. Um, I got asked about it Q4 after I we made a pretty good run that, that session. I figured they were sh uh, showing it. I was ready to get home, watch it, turn on the qualifying show, and nothing was there. Did they... Did they even show our runs? They did not. So we didn't even we didn't get the bowling thing on. Our runs didn't get showed. No, and I don't know if the original qualifying show aired exactly when it was supposed to on time because it was supposed to be live, but there was a serious oil down before that that delayed everything, and then they ran the Greek, who was the first hot fuel car in line, and he got to where the track got greased up, blew the tires off, and they realized that there was more cleanup to be had. So that delayed the show even more. And didn't qualify too, I believe, right? Right. So did And he probably could have qualified because it only took, I think, a 398 to get in. So, yeah, in, in the uh, oil down, there was a, a charity race that went on, and uh, one of – our fellow competitors was in it and I, I I had heard that it was a transmission line. Yeah, I was told that it looked like a crop duster going down the lane. It looked like a freight train and it was blowing smoke out and uh just drove it straight down the lane. The whole way the whole track all the way through the shutdown area. Down the middle. Down the middle. And it it wrecked the lane, and it was even brought to our attention. Um, we had no idea. Uh, we had just got called up to the start, uh, starting line. I, I got called up to start line. JR was already up there, and like we had to address the situation because the she flat drove it down the groove, dumped all this trainee fluid out there. We're getting ready to go to live TV, and they're trying to figure out ways to clean this track as quickly as possible. Without ruining, yeah, but, and, and being on time for TV, and and being on time for TV, Pro Stock Motorcycle got pushed back after us. Pro Stockers got pushed back after us in order for them to try to clean up this track, all because somebody didn't decide to move over in the lane, and it, 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 that okay. So that happened what a hundred feet into the run. Yeah, you pull over as soon as you know that happens. It's probably not that big of a deal because they're not going to really worry about it being as clean over by the wall 
yeah exactly as they are in the center of the groove and then once you get up there and see how bad it is like that's the for me like i hate being told that like hey you're gonna have to be a little left of the groove or you're gonna have to try and straddle this you know how hard that is in a funny car well <laughs> i do now <laughs> uh yeah i mean it's it's on a night run yeah you, yeah you, on a night run you, yeah <laughs> you're going to a night run it's yeah uh make sure like you're here and here and don't be three feet this way and don't be two feet this way. Oh, by the way, you're going 300 plus miles an hour. Um, yeah, that's just stupid. But you know, I, 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 we need we need charity events like that. It's awesome. It's for a great cause. I get it, all that. But it, man, like, just completely like messed the lane up. Yeah, it. I mean, it didn't help the Greek. I've yeah. That sucks. That's his home race, right? Yes. I think that's his first race of the year, too. First race of the year. So home he race. got 7,500, right? Something like that. 17 or 18. Which it could have been another 2,500. Yes. Qualify, get 10 grand. So that would have been 2,500 bucks extra. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Which, okay, what I'm getting to is. You know something's wrong, pull over. We all know that. You've been taught that from day one. That's one thing that, yeah, you get stressed to and then when you're licensing. Yeah. cleaning it up, like, let's be more concerned about the cars going down the track, not we got to hurry up and get this done. Yeah, I, I think that was... <sighs> because in turn, they had to go back and clean it after the Greeks smoked tires. Yeah, I think, I think it, it got uh, put into a uh, rush job situation. Where it's like, hey, uh, we're, we're going live, like, or we got a TV show we got to do. Uh, right. Let's just. Right. We know how it is. Like, it happens on race. Hey, you guys got to hurry up and be up here, you know, live and, TV. And then uh, I, I think, you know, with all that tranny fluid, and I mean, uh, all that tranny fluid up there, I mean, it's, uh, I don't know if they needed to go into it like a, like. Maybe sp scrape. Scrape. I mean, really, probably to do it properly. Um but they didn't have the time. So that's why they, you know, they tried to do the best they could in the amount of time that they had with also pushing back pro stock and, 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 and bike. Uh, but then you run into the time of like, okay, now it's crunch time. What do we do? Uh, send fire the first pair smokes tires. Well, now we got a problem because obviously it's not all cleaned up. Yep. So, yeah. So they, they fixed it. It actually, you know, turned out to be, you know, I mean, yeah, we went down it. It's just eventually as more cars started going. Um, but, okay, the replay show, also what I was getting to, the qualifying show, none of us got shown because they're so far behind, I think. Big effects for just oiling down the whole track, driving in the middle of the groove. Bingo. Some, a lot of other people out there, not about yourself. <laughs> you said it. But, yeah, there – what was so? What was the deal that that you had brought up earlier in the second? Was it second round? Yeah, I think it was second round. Dougie won. Um, okay, so when you win, a lot of times, like we can't get off the track now. You pull shoots, whatever. Sometimes the clutch locks up. You're stuck on the track. They got four wheelers that come out there and shove you off. Maybe it takes a little time to uh, get it freed up, get into neutral. Well, there's LED lights on these four wheelers and on the safety safari trucks that blink either red or green they blink red that lets everybody on the start line know hey not ready yet like, don't go don't go 
there's blinking red lights down there still. Fire them up, boys. It was uh, Palmer and Milliken. Yeah. Start them up, do their burnouts, back up. Red LED lights still on the top end. We got to shut off that pair. Shut them down, boys. <laughs> like, why couldn't we just wait till them LED lights were green? We weren't even live on TV. Yeah, people getting ahead of themselves. So, I mean, if you lose, if you're Scott Palmer, like, you, I'm going to probably complain a little bit about that. Because that just throws, like, you've generated more heat. Clutch is hotter. Blower is hotter. Just everything's hotter. You might have burnt more fuel than normal. Like, whatever. Yeah, which they did allow them time to go back and get fuel. Re- right. I think they, I'm sure they had the option of not running right then and there. Yeah, and it... It puts you in a. It's a. It's it puts you in a, a bad position because it's like you don't you don't really want to say, okay, we'll go to the back because you want to run. I mean, obviously, probably for both of them, they wanted the better track earlier, uh, right? In in the session, so. All right, we'll run, but you still got to go back. Probably get five or seven gallons that they've, or maybe more that they've burned off already. Refuel it, but yeah, everything is hotter. And I mean, what you're talking about everything within. I mean, tolerances of, of nothing, and you you throw in different elements of that. I mean, now that your clutch is a little hotter, now your engine temps up, uh, your tires are going to be a little bit warmer. Um, it changes it, but, you know, they, they uh, I don't know, what they, what did they do first round? Was that a good race? I can't remember. Second round. I'm sorry, second round, yeah. I think Palmer smoked the tires. I can't remember. Yeah, Palmer, Palmer's, uh, he's had a good car this year, too. Yeah, and I just got uh, Jake over there helping him out. That'll probably help him even more. Yeah. Well, actually, no, actually, they both smoked the tires. Okay. Yeah, so I would like to think maybe that played into it. Yeah. Because, okay, say, all right, well, you guys have the option of going back to your pit. Well, you don't have time to take the clutch out, put another one in, fire it back up, all that. Like, you just can't. Yeah. It's a lot, lot of work. I mean, by the time, yeah, because it, if you did do that and then you did happen to win, you're only getting, what, 60 minutes before the next round. Well, now by the time you run after a funny car, if they you get put to the back, I mean, you're talking, you, now you have like a 30-minute turnaround that right. you have to do. And there's there'd be probably no opportunity for that. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Well, should we answer some questions? Yeah, man. Yeah, make sure you guys send in your questions. Make sure uh, um, we can go through. We can start answering some questions now. Uh, make sure uh, you guys uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel, Nomex Effect. Uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Um, yeah, we're on uh, iTunes now. So I know we had an issue last time we tried the Facebook Live deal, but the audio on that show worked fine, and you can get it on iTunes and SoundCloud. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, so one guy asked about the top sportsman deal. We touched on that. Should there be a thousand foot mile an hour cone for sportsman racers? Thousand foot mile an hour doesn't show on sportsman racers time slip. Um Yeah, I mean no, there there uh, realistically there should not be a cone because you don't get thousand foot mile an hour for sportsmen. Um, I mean, do they really need it? No, it doesn't need to be out there, but it's probably just more of a convenience factor for the the track guys not to right take it in and out. 
uh, or what have you. But, I mean, yeah, they when sports and run, man, I don't know. It's been so long since I've run sportsmen at a national. I, I don't, I don't know what their their standard protocol is. If if they leave the the cone out there, or if they take it out, I I honestly haven't paid attention because they take the quarter mile cones out for us and they have to put them back up for pro stock and pro stock bike. Right. I don't know. Hmm. That's a good question. Yeah. Well, I might find out in Bristol. I'm actually going to run Super Comp in Bristol. So, Dude, somebody keeps calling me. All right. I can't answer my phone because we're using it for Facebook Live. Don't call JR if you're calling me. <laughs> you're going to mess us up. We had audio issues all last week, and it's now we finally got it. All right. Here, Chip's got a question. Hearing about the pressure you guys put on yourself, just staging and reaction times, how much pressure do you put on yourself knowing that Reg and Steve Bryson – are, the, are at the majority of the races. Besides the self-funded teams, it seems like most of the team Coletta marketing partners are way more involved than most other teams. Uh, I feel like we're hard, hard enough on ourselves as it, as it is. Like Sunday after first round, Reg was one of the first people over to tell me that everything's fine, that you know I do a good enough job and I've won more races the other way around and blah, blah, blah. So that feels awesome coming from a sponsor to me. Yeah, absolutely. Yet, uh, I mean, likewise for me with uh, with Steve Bryson with the Global Electronic Technology. I mean, he's he's been really good to me on a lot of that stuff. And and you know, I I think um, having a good relationship with your sponsor and having that big respect factor. I think you know, be, with you and Reg and you know, like with Steve and I, have just you you respect the other uh, person for what they do. And and obviously. You know, those guys are great business guys and very successful in life. Um, you know, our opportunity is to drive a race car, and, um, you know, they, they come by and they ask questions. Uh, but a lot of times it's just it's motivational pieces that they come by and they talk to us. You know, obviously we all don't like to lose. Um, there's nothing that they're really going to tell us that's going to, uh, I guess, motivate us any more than we, we're already motivated to do good. Um, but it's always definitely nice uh, to hear words of encouragement from your sponsor and, and uh, building that relationship with your sponsor. And it, it's neat having them out there, um, you know, just just shows uh, the amount of passion that those guys both have. Um, and, you know, obviously they're they're spending big bucks so that they want to yeah. they want to uh, be a part of it. Yeah. I mean, Reg, he's our, uh, you know, our main guy with uh DHL, he's flying all around the world, and when he's not, he's at the races supporting us, and it's awesome having his support. I mean, he's definitely our biggest motivator. Not that you know we we need a lot, but whenever you know things are bad or we get beat, he's right there, you know, telling us that we did a great job, and there's next week, and he's proud of us, and and this and that, and that's. You can't ask more than that. Then I mean, you don't want to have some guy sitting there chewing your ass, telling you how stupid you are. Or he can find a, a better person than you. You know, like that's. Uh... Yeah, I've I've heard some horror stories about that of, of different uh, sponsors and team owners. Um, you know, I mean, when you're driving the race car, there's nobody that wants to win more than you. Yeah, we're not out there to do a half-ass job. At least, so you and I aren't. I know yeah. That. You know, I, I've heard some horror stories from other drivers about, yeah, uh, maybe team owners or sponsors coming by and telling them that, you know, 
other people can do better jobs or, uh, you know, just stuff like that. And it's just like, oof, that'd be, that that put you in a tough situation. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't want to say anything that's gonna rock the boat, but to me, that's gonna. I don't know. I'm not going to use that as motivation. Just now you're kind of driving scared. Yeah. And uh, driving scared in one of these cars will never get you anywhere because if you're going up there second guessing yourself, when you're driving the best is when you, when you have a clear head, but you have a hundred percent confidence in yourself and you're, you're driving with that passion and that aggression of what got you there. It's, uh, one thing to drive that way and and feel like you have something to prove than be on the other side of the ropes where you're sitting there and you're just like man i hope i don't mess up man i can't make a mistake i hope i don't red light i hope i don't two-step it i hope i don't do this Uh, you're you're uh, you're gonna be a yeah anytime you like worry about doing something chances are you're eventually gonna do it exactly yeah a lot of it's just the positive positive vibes positive energy just constantly you know uh, re-motivating yourself that's a, that's one thing about you know w- with surrounding yourself with good people and that's one thing that i've always said is surrounding yourself with good people because on those days that you don't have enough confidence maybe to pick yourself up to get over that hump you have friends and, and teammates that can do that and that's that's where you know yeah that's the great thing about where we work i feel like everybody there has your back mm-hmm whether it's uh you know crew chief's gone like Jono wasn't there sunday he was at his uh daughter's high school graduation so it, it becomes more of a team effort where the crew chief's got to work together and we made a great run sunday first round without Jono. it just shows that the kind of teamwork that we have and then you know drivers go out there i mean you richie dougie like we're always talking you know trying to make each other better or how we can make each other better what to do better just i don't know i don't i don't think the other teams out there have that going on like we do yeah we definitely got a good group that's for sure um nick turner who didn't pull up the side uh well tim will change that for you just i'm sure you could figure out the the last name on that um mark I don't want to mess your last name up. Uh, Lef- Lefkis? Le- Lefkis? Uh, JR, how was it to drive for Evan Knoll? That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Yeah, neither have I. Um, yeah, when we had that deal, Skullshine was on the car, which was part of the Torco Race Fuels ordeal. That was all with uh, when I was with Ev- or Evan. Dexter Tuttle. We started out as a part-time team. Dexter was basically funding the thing out of his pocket, and Evan came on board and allowed us to uh, go on the rest of the season in 2006, and we won three races and finished in the top ten. It was uh, it was good having that sponsorship. I mean, we uh, we wouldn't be able to go full-time without that, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, he helped a lot of people for, for a long time. I mean, it, he kind of came out with a big impact. Yeah, absolutely. It seemed like everywhere you looked, it either had Torco race fuels or Skull something on it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I know they had a, a lot of, a lot of uh, peril and and stuff like that. But yeah, it was it was definitely good, man. Yes, sir. What else we have? Yeah, yeah, Danny, um, Danny Nelson. What's up, Danny Nelson? <laughs> um, he. You know, I've actually done that. So he he says, uh, I think 
I think what Matt Sackman was asking is why is the thousand foot cone still in place when sports and runs the cone is there sometimes and not others but never get the numbers on the time slip. You have to really be on your game and looking around not to confuse the 1,000-foot with the 1,320 cones. That would be easy to get lost because we, we call it half-track, which it's really not half-track for us anymore since we go at 1,000 feet. But your half-track cone, 660, there's two blocks. So then you know your next two blocks that are together are the finish line. Uh-huh. Well, that could not be the case for sportsman guys. They leave the mile-an-hour cone out there, 1,000 feet. Yeah, and I know uh, – I've done that. Uh, one of my first events, uh, w yeah, racing at the Spring Fling in Bristol. And this is dating back. Ooh, uh, man, I don't know when when they first started running there. Uh, late 2000s. And um, they were doing a 1,000-foot. When they started doing the 1,000-foot bracket race, uh, well, I was running Mike Fuqua. I think it was like second or third round. And I, and I run right up on him. And I start ripping the throttle early. And and I drop, <laughs> and I look up, and I and immediately I'm thinking, oh dang, we got to do a rerun. There's no numbers on the scoreboards. <laughs> Until I realized when he went past a thousand feet that his time came up, and oh yeah, we're racing a thousand foot. Yeah, so been there, done that. That's I remember that's a tough pill when we first went to a thousand foot racing that there were so many people, drivers complaining about it because. They were used to going to a quarter mile that they were lost on the track. It's like, why are you lost? Those blocks aren't there anymore. You, you know, funny you say that. So, all right, so we have a bracket race, right? Uh, Chris Forsyth and I put it on in Fontana, right? And a lot of racing's quarter mile, okay? So, but a lot of the complaints on people that don't want to race eighth mile is because they don't have a setup for eighth mile. It's eighth mile. You're already racing eighth mile. You're going through the eighth mile to get to the quarter mile. Right. What, so what do you change? You don't change anything. <laughs> so it's 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 all the same. I mean, it's just as a driver, you have to know where you're at, and it's. I think it's better. I think it's better for drivers that. I wish they do. They need to do like a utility race. Maybe draw it. They. There was a race. Where was this? There's there's a, a utility. They they ran it in Memphis. Uh, I think it was last year, the All-State Challenge utility class. They draw – I think they drew out of a hat or something like that. And it was if you're going to do pro tree, top bulb, or bottom bulb. So it's a matter of if you're going to have delay box or not. If you're going to race eighth mile, quarter mile, or thousand foot. Change it up. No matter what car you had? No matter what car you had, your car had to be able to do – any and all. Nice. It's either going to be eighth mile, thousand foot, or quarter mile, and they're going to let you know if it's going to be a full tree or a pro tree, and it's going to be a four tenths pro tree, or it's going to be a five tenths sportsman tree that you are allowed to have a delay box in to hit the top bulb, or no delay box, you got to hit the bottom bulb. That's pretty sweet. I, that, that would separate some people. That would separate the good drivers from the not so good drivers. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to the, the getting lost thing. Like, when that first went down with the 1,000 feet deal, it's like, where have you guys been looking? I remember they had those blow-up things on the side of the wall. Like, you see, like, a used car lot. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. Like, what the hell are those over there well, for? Why are you looking over there? Exactly. So we, we actually addressed this when we were in Topeka, 
right? So there's we're we're driving. Uh, what was it? Thursday or whatever. We're we're at the track and we're rolling the golf cart down the racetrack and we're kind of looking at the track and kind of checking everything out. And we look probably like a hundred feet to our right <laughs> on the fence and it says one thousand feet. And I'm like, well, good. All I all I got to do is when I'm going three hundred miles an hour down the track, look a hundred feet to my right to figure out. Because they had 60 feet, 330, 660, and 1,000. So all I got to do is just look to my right going 300 miles an hour. I got to look to my right 100 feet and figure out where I'm at. Yep. Like, no, you look in the middle of the lane. Like, look at the cones. Yeah, now we have those little, whatever the hell they are, the little pylon things that hang off the wall. But, yeah, they used to have those blow-up things, and there was a stack of cones at one time. Didn't they have some, like, lights or something? I think there might have been lights at some point also. It's like, no, just, you know, you count the cones in your head as you go by them. Yeah. Just, you don't, or, you don't count them. You just know where they're at. Count to four seconds and lift. People were driving to the scoreboard because that was a refer- reference point. That was before we had wheel counters and auto shutoffs. Like, man, this is bad. <laughs> <laughs> brutal, brutal. But, yeah. So... Yeah, all right. Well, shoot, man. I guess uh, about answered all the questions, about got it all done. Yeah, um, on to Richmond this weekend. Yeah, we got we got uh, Richmond. Have you raced there? Uh, I did 2009. That was my first year. Raced it. I remember nothing about it, so I have no idea. That's probably good. Um, but, yeah. No, I, do. I like getting in these swings. Getting in these swings is awesome. I, I like doing these uh, three, four in a row. Me too. In the summer. Then maybe you get a week off, and then you're back on a two or three in a row. Because if something bad happens, you got less than a week to get back after it. Something good happens, less than a week you can keep it rolling. Yeah, I, I mean, I, to me, I, I race every week, and I, I don't have an off week until Thanksgiving. I'm going to be racing either top fuel or sportsman. So kind of jealous of that. It don't make a difference to me. I, I just, I wish they'd just let's go race for 24 weeks in a row, and we'll just get her season done i i'm all for as many weeks as possible i hate going one week off two weeks off like i can't figure out what to do in those weeks it's just i don't know you can't you get a better routine when you're back to back get in the zone a lot easier that's yeah. for sure and like you said i mean if you have a bad week it's easy to get it get over it and if you have a good week you want to keep rolling that momentum yep all right so we'll be back what next tuesday um yeah recap virginia yeah get so ready for bristol yeah uh make sure you guys tune in next tuesday recap uh yeah recap virginia hopefully we got a, a lot of good to talk about yeah we can uh we'll talk about bristol we got norwalk coming up got some pretty cool races heading into the the big swing of things so. maybe we should do another giveaway we met our uh, t-shirt winner in chicago yes yeah so she came by she got her shirt uh, we gave her some stickers. She got a hat. Uh, but yeah, we'll. Um, I just completely spaced on it, man. I was, I was running behind last week. But yeah, so let's do. We'll announce it. Uh, we'll do the pick the pros winner for Virginia. We'll put out a little announcement on our, uh, on our Facebook page, but we'll also put it out on Twitter as well. Um, do pick the pros. You pick. Uh, what do we do? The winner, runner up of top fuel winner runner up of funny car winner runner up of pro stock 
and then the top fuel fight, winning reaction time winning reaction time that'll be the tiebreaker so make sure you guys get in your picks win you some no mex effect gear uh make sure to uh shoot us an email if you guys would like to order some shirts and hats uh, yeah no we got finally got new hats we got a uh, flex fit hats and some flat bill trucker hats shirts yeah we're rolling now yeah so shoot us uh uh email over at nomexeffect at gmail.com uh follow us on our youtube channel nomex effect so itunes soundcloud just type in nomex and you'll find us but yeah glad facebook worked this week we'll do it again next week absolutely all right man thank you guys for for joining in and we'll see you guys next week